Welcome to the Ignite Your Spark podcast. We're here to talk all things self-development, personal growth and everything in between. Our aim for this podcast is that you feel like you found your people, a like-minded community that just gets it. So whether you're cozy on the sofa or taking your daily stroll, let's get into it. Welcome back to the Ignite Your Spark podcast. So this episode today, and I say it all the time, but we've got the most incredible inspirational guest with us today we've got Jane James Jane is a be ready for it she's a mum a (laughs) wife an opera singer she's a founder and director of inspiration and passion at little voices an award women drama and singing franchise national network for children an advocate for high quality children's activities and co-host of her own podcast the school run I mean (laughs) wow (laughs) quite a big list of hats to wear isn't it Jane you are a very close so those that are listening Jane and I are very close friends and we've known each other for quite a few years now and I just wanted to get Jane on this podcast today because obviously our aim for this podcast is to share as many inspirational stories with our audience and I just think Jane's journey to date is just an inspiring story alone so Jane I'm going to hand it over to you and just kind of introduce yourself like what your journey has been so far yeah, well, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for welcoming me, Lisa and Bex. Um, it's always interesting when you're sharing your journey and your story. I always find other people's stories really inspiring, and I think that's what's kept me going. And it's what sort of promotes your intrigue and curiosity to find out a little bit more and to help you continuously develop. Um, so I think if you stay curious... Um, and you find that interest in people's stories, then it just helps you move along in your journey. And I've been really lucky to be surrounded by amazing men and women, mentors, coaches, inspirational women in business, men in business that have helped me develop through. And I've done my own work and my own journey through that as well. So, um, yeah, it's lovely to share and lovely to be here. You mentioned a whole list of hats that I wear, and we all have those many hats. All of us are juggling lots of different hats, whether you've children or nieces or nephews or you look after the next door neighbor, whatever it is, there's there's many hats that we're all wearing. And I think getting the balance is the key thing that we're all aiming for. And how you get there will be different for every person. And the challenges you go through will be completely different for everyone. And yeah, I suppose I've had my fair few amount of challenges, but that is that's life that's the journey we're on and and I think you've just got to embrace it yeah absolutely so given obviously what you do Jane like you've set up your I mean let's start with business first because I think that's quite an inspirational story in itself of how you have got to where you are today and what it is you're doing and how it all how Little Voices started absolutely well actually it's interesting because people always say (laughs) if you um, look back to what you did in your childhood and how you played maybe that always Um, sort of resonates with where you end up in your work life and I used to sit on the stairs the bottom step with my grandparents and any friend or anybody that came to the house that would listen and I would sit and I would always be the teacher with the book and the ticking and the organizing and my first report said that I was a born organizer Mm -hmm. interestingly enough my life took me to um, the teaching room and to I loved working with children so whilst I'd trained um, I'd done a music degree Um, a master's degree in opera and I was heading for the stage in one part of my life I actually discovered that I didn't enjoy the performing as much as I loved the teaching which was almost the backup to being a performer you always need that income coming from another 
a sort of source when you were on the stage. So I fell in love with teaching, loved the teaching room. The children taught me so much and I taught singing and I taught drama and performing arts. And it was my absolute passion and a, and a privilege to teach young people. So um, as a self-employed person, that's it's quite hard juggling the books and the finances and the marketing and all of that. And um, I, I, I set up my own self-employed business from a very, very young age. In fact, I've never known being employed by someone I've never had a pay packet so that's not been something that was in my norm um but I got married had my little girl um Olivia Liv who is also the co-host of our podcast the school run and um when she was three months old I set up Little Voices which is the national company that I now run today it started very much we, we came up with the idea a month later we'd started the classes in a local school church hall 12 or 16 children came along in that first week 16 years ago and the rest is history so oh. I was in one room teaching singing and my business partner <clears> at the time was in the other room teaching drama and it was just very much a Tuesday night thing six o'clock for an hour and a half and it and it's just grown from there but that was the, the humble beginnings of it you know a laptop on my knee and some Edwardian script scroll writing <laughs> on, a, on a flyer and you know it, it's incredible really I was a sole parent at the time. My husband had left for um, someone else, so experienced infidelity. And it was tough, I'm not going to lie. It was a, a tough roller coaster of emotions and I was nursing a broken heart, but I was also building this business alongside it. So it was, you know, rough with the smooth, good with the bad. And um, yeah, I just, I, that's where I first started, I suppose, my self-development journey. I think I love that, that how Little Voices started, because, I mean, where you are today is just unbelievable. How many franchisees have you got now, Jane? Um, so we have um, 30 territories across the UK, about 268 tutors, thousands and thousands and thousands of children that come every week. Um, and they come. I know drama and singing is what we do, but that's not really what we provide. What we provide is a a safe creative space for mm -hmm. a group of eight <clears throat> children at any one time I mean just imagine eight children in a room not 30 mm -hmm. you're not lost at the back it's all about helping those children to find their voice mm -hmm. to build their confidence to nurture the talent that they have and some will go on to perform on the West End stage we've got loads of success stories but actually it's not about that it's about making friendships about teamwork it's about talking with confidence um, it's about sharing how they're feeling. So there's a real mental health sort of thing that that floats through every single one of our lessons as well. And just giving them skills for life. Yeah, I remember listening to, I think it was, I don't know if it was a podcast you did, Jane, but I remember you saying it was, it wasn't just about the singing and the drama. It was about the confidence that you give that. And I always remember sat there thinking, I really wish I had that as a child, like something like what you've created. And that just came just from an idea that you had. You know, yeah, yeah. And it's, literally we discussed it around a coffee shop table yeah. and those are where the best ideas come from. So <laughs> if you've got an idea, don't squash it. Just just run with it. Explore it, because who knows where it will take you. Lisa and I chat about this all the time, don't we? 
we say like you know even when um, we was in London at the weekend recording our podcast and we went to this pub it was very noisy <laughs> we couldn't but we think, got it done didn't we <laughs> we did and we're like right because we mapped out the first quarter but it's like not allowing your current circumstances effects isn't it and just having that vision and just keep doing the work to get to where you are so I mean, Jane, you are phenomenally successful in what you do. You're amazing and everything that, I mean, your daughter's, you know, live like she's like a little sister to me and she's, her confidence is just unbelievable. So it's so powerful, the work that you do. But obviously then everything was in person. So then when COVID hit, that was quite a challenging time for you in business, wasn't it? I think COVID was challenging for all of us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Adults massively children hugely impacted we are going to see the the impact of that on on generations to come it's almost like it's almost like the war after the war how our grandparents sort of lived with the the scars of that yeah. really and we see it with young children now how impacted they are you know they were learning behind screens for so long watching parents sort of working from home no social it it was tough for adults but my goodness was it tough for children um yes covid was an unexpected curveball for us all and i I'll, I'll go back to what was happening at that time for me but so through through my life i've always had challenges so you know the infidelity um a relationship that wasn't particularly healthy at all and you know we all go through bereavement and illness and different things at different times for me I've always approached every single thing be positive crack on it's life push forward move forward um and that served me for over two decades it really did serve me for over two decades it's I just I was never fully dressed without a smile mental health was not anything that was in my psyche it wasn't in my world I had no understanding of it none of my family had been affected by it I was really quite alien to to what could happen Um, I just pushed on drove on pushed forward I had to you know survive for my daughter and me because I was a sole parent I had to keep that roof over our heads and it wasn't easy at times you know I remember copying up for cop coppering up for loaves of bread and you know trying to pack business in with you know being a mum and it was tough I'm not gonna lie anyway um years went on we started to build the business and build um, um the franchise network which was incredible award wins it was a it was a one it is and was a wonderful journey but I was always at the bottom of the list always my daughter came first and the business was right beside her as my second baby and that's how I would have termed it to you my second baby at that time anyway fast forward we did a national conference in February 2020 and I went in uh, when I came home I was in quite a lot of pain stomach pain rushed into hospital and they discovered um, a 10 centimeter nine to 10 centimeter cyst on my ovary and I had no idea it was there I had been battling and I had a scan the year before and I had been battling with with women's issues around my periods and things but ultimately I didn't know that that cyst was there and they had to remove it in emergency surgery that day really pinnacle point for me and my family because Liv was with me in A&E with my fiance at the time she thought she was going to lose her mum she really thought I was going to die and that was she was 12 years old that's it's a huge thing when your rock has always been at the side of you which was me who up until that point she felt was invincible and it was it was really tough Anyway, they removed the cyst. I came home 
um, and was supposed to be recovering. My idea of recovering and someone who's not working for themselves recovering maybe is possibly two different things. But when everything hinges on you paying yourself, um, recovery, again, wasn't in my remit. And I was back at work and on the emails and, you know, trying to rest, but not really. Infection was sort of bubbling. I had a couple of lots of antibiotics. It didn't shift. And then the pandemic started to happen. And what I mean by happen was the country hadn't locked down at that point, but we could see what was happening abroad. And I was sort of following it. And as it got to that final week before the whole country went into lockdown around the 19th, 18th, 19th of March. Remember that, everyone, you know, 2020, you know, I thought, oh, my God, on Friday, the schools are going to close. And a lot of our work hinges with the schools. We work in schools. We work in community halls we're not going to have a business. And that was it. There would be no income. I can't survive. And I've I've grafted too long for 12 years to let this go. So I started pivoting the business online. I'm not particularly techie, um, but I built online classrooms, virtual classrooms. And this was before anybody was talking about Zoom. You know, we, we all go jump on a Zoom now, but no one was knowing what was going to happen at that time. And um, on the Fridays, the schools closed and we went into lockdown on the Sunday, I had all the information out to my network in terms of here's your links, thousands of parents. This is we'll still see you will be your positivity in the midst of what's going on. We might not know what's happening from day to day, but you'll always have your little voices lesson. Here's your link. Join us there. And that was countrywide that went out. But I had packed my brain with information. I mean, safeguarding policies, policies and procedures for operating online just building every bit of communication and I was poorly because the infection hadn't gone so physically and physically very poorly and on the Saturday morning um my body and my mind said Jane that's enough and I, I collapsed I had a massive pop electrical explosion between my ears and I can tell you now what has happened because I've built it back and I've built my memory back with the help of people but I woke up in hospital a month later and not knowing where that month had gone so wow. it was, it was a, <clears throat> wow, yeah. was that a wake-up call, the mother of all wake-up calls. I um, mean, it's, I mean, I still find it quite difficult hearing this story because I am very close to you, Jane, and we've been friends for, for many years and I can only imagine like how that, how hard that must have been. But I think for me, like listening to your story and how, like you, you it's changed you completely, hasn't it? Oh my God, 360, mm. 360. And it's changed everyone around me, I hope as well, because I'm absolutely committed now to, yes, being brave and sharing my story. And a lot went went on at that time. And honestly, I didn't, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other when I came out of hospital. I couldn't butter a piece of toast. It was an impossible task. I couldn't use a mobile phone. I think it took me weeks to even speak to you, didn't it, Bex? So, yeah, it did, yeah. And to other friends that were very close to me at the time you know, we are fragile. We are, we're human beings. Our, our brains and our bodies deserve respect. And actually I hadn't respected mine, not just in that period, but for a very, very long time. Yeah. So it is a wake up call. It's not one that I wish on anybody, but at least if I share my story and other people maybe spot something in a friend or a family member and they can stop them getting to that point, because I honestly wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody. Yeah. I think for me, like listening to you, it was the thing that got me so intrigued by your story as well was the the mindset. Like 
any I don't know I don't know because I've never been through anything like that but I I don't know how I would possibly cope afterwards of of going through something like that and kind of running a business at full speed because I remember speaking to you Jane and you was driving up and down the country with live especially I mean how long was your school run every morning hence where the podcast came from yeah the podcast (laughs) is called the school run and Lisa honestly we had a mental mental school run it was an hour and a half there an hour and a half back every day um so we did a lot of traveling um and not because I chose this amazing school for Olivia and I had to get her there. It was because we lived there where her school was. And then I met my partner and moved in with him and got married. And therefore, to keep her consistency and to put her first, um, we we committed to that journey. Um, so, yeah, that's why we started the school run, because we had the best chats <laughs> on our school run. And we just wanted to put them in a time capsule as a podcast. And I suppose yeah. the rest is history. And it's quite a unique thing, to, I guess, doing it with your 15-year-old daughter um, and creating something. So, um, yeah, th- gosh, when you hear the story, Becky, it's just your mind. My mindset was always that I knew who Jane was. Mm. So even though I was in the hospital and at the time I had no words, I had no mental capacity, I had no physical strength. Inside, something told me I was I was Jane. I knew I was Jane. I just couldn't access the words. I couldn't read. I couldn't string things together. But I knew somewhere I, that I was in there. And so knowing that, I think every day was the thing that kept me putting one, trying to put one foot in front of the other trying to butter the piece of toast, attempting to ring friends on a mobile phone. And don't get me wrong, you need a hell of a lot of support around you as well. I could not have done this without my mum, my family. I moved in with my mum. My sister was living, my, my daughter was living with my sister. We were like, we're like the sisterhood, my mum and my sisters. And, and they absolutely sort of cocooned me and sheltered me and got me through those early days and months. And very gradually sort of integrated me back and I came back home and, but, but it was, honestly, it was tough. And when people talk about anxiety, my goodness, can I relate? I couldn't, couldn't even recognize the sound of the birds, the the slightest noise had me on edge because obviously not only was I recovering and rebuilding my brain, which in many ways was almost like having a brain injury. I was also in shock from what had happened. So it was also, you know, a massive amount of PTSD as well, which was, really crippling um but with family but with family with knowing that little spark of who I was I think it just drove me forward I had to get back to me but I had to be a different version of me when I when Mm. I got back I mean it's just again I just find it just so inspiring and just you know we chat we have our chats we have quite in-depth chats and you are an absolute role model in my life Jane and you always have been and you always will be and I think things that have happened in your past would you say that Obviously, it was a very stressful time, it, it, the pandemic. But do you believe that it was probably an accumulation of everything that you had, the way you've been running on this fight or flight response constantly all of those years? 100%. It's, it's, not in a, it's not a doubt in my mind. Yes, there was an infection. Yes, I'd run myself into the ground. Yes, it was pandemic. Yes, it was very stressful. But this was years and years of built up trauma. Um which I had never recognized because I just went with positivity, push forward, crack on. I didn't um, ever see that after each of those instances that I needed to take time for me and heal. 
I did a lot of reading. I've honestly, I've read. I love your book. I have to say, your book club. I just absolutely adore it. Both of you, Lisa Bex. I just could listen to you when you're talking about books all day long, <laughs> um, because they're just food for the brain, aren't they? That's yeah. That's how I see it. And you know, and I sort of fell into it. I don't think you set you wake up one day and think I'm gonna go and be and self develop. I don't. I don't believe anybody wakes up and thinks that. This sort of emerges from something that you maybe someone says or someone reads like going back to what I said at the beginning just your curiosity is sparked Mm. and you know through my different traumas and inverted commas I used you know positive affirmations I would be full of positive sayings I'd read the secret I read the power of now I've you know who moved my cheese atomic habits there's all sorts of books that um came to me at different times and I sort of had a thirst for learning and I've always had a thirst for learning and then I had a commitment because of the natural teacher in me to share that learning and wisdom um but always along those journeys putting myself last rather than actually implementing this stuff for myself yeah because I know we even like previously you've been in a toxic relationship I know you've openly spoke about about that before and it does have some detrimental damage to you doesn't it in terms of like what you're accustomed to in that time in the environment that you're around and like you said like things like this happen in life where this book might have come to you at that point to help you through that time and you know and as you go but then when you have something happen like yourself when it's your health and you just have to reevaluate everything don't you and think how because you I bet you questioned how did I end up here oh oh my gosh so many times and still Mm. you know what what was someone and I'm not saying this in any way but how did I end up in that place like someone so positive so driven um so about people how did I miss the fundamental thing that was about caring for myself with just the basics sleep nutrition water fresh air um time for me and now those are absolutely 100% my priorities every day before anything else happens yeah and I look for those things and ensure the people around me are doing those things too yeah um because as I said you know we we are fragile um and it's it and it's important to I don't know you've just got to put yourself first I mean, I'm waiting for your book, Jane. I'm waiting for your book release because <laughs> I think there's a lot of, I think you've got such an inspiring story, but also how how you've come out the other side and you've completely changed your life around. Because I always say, if you haven't got your health, what do you have? Because it, it's true. And we very much do take our health for granted every single day. It's mm. only when we, we only start to pay attention when something happens or we're ill and it's like now you're doing those things not only to help you feel good but to prevent that from happening again because that is an absolute non-negotiable isn't that is not happening again for you no it's not and and the fact that it could and for some people it repeatedly happens for them for me it will only ever happen that once it will (laughs) never happen again almost because I've heard you talk about you know the neurons in the brain or, or whatever that the pathway has been created yeah in my head that that oh my God, that that is actually a really real possibility. Um, So I've got to make sure that everything in my life doesn't happen in that way going forward. Um, And sometimes that's a really, that's a hard, sometimes there's hard calls to be made. made. So 
you know, no, saying the word no, no mm -hmm. is a full sentence. And I think as women, we often go, oh, no, I can't do that because, or no, I can't do that. Um, and But actually, I can do this. And no, you can just say no. It's mm -hmm. a full sentence on its own. Yeah. And and I use, I do that. I have really, you know, you talk about boundaries, but I don't just talk about them. I, I do them. Mm. I have two phones. I don't have my phone on at the weekend for work at all. Um, I don't have any notification to my phone at all. So I only, I'm, I'm very responsive in the working week, but only because I'm on that platform or I'm in my emails. I don't have it constantly teasing me. So you have to create those boundaries and those those no's for yourself and find what they are. Um, and coming back to what you said, Becky, about being in a, um, a, a toxic relationship, an emotionally abusive relationship, you actually, as a woman, I don't think you realise at the time where you are or what, what you're surrounded by. You just don't. And actually, I still didn't afterwards. It was other people. So my my husband now, he would say to me, you you apologised to me constantly. Kept saying, sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible what your environment can, can sort of condition you to be like. Oh, it's huge. And we talk about environment all the time, don't we, Lisa? Like, especially, and that's why we created our membership because we want to create that community for people where it's a safe space for them. Because, I mean, I've been in a toxic relationship before. And like you said, I remember waking up thinking, how did this happen? I'm I'm strong, I'm independent and I'm living down in London and I ended up in this situation and I was like, how the hell did I get here? Because you do, you just wake up Bev, and you, you start questioning yourself. But I tell you what, when you decide and that, that's all it takes is, is a decision that that is not going to be my life any longer, does your whole world change? And it's not easy. Like coming out the other side of that is not easy and you've got to build yourself up a hell of a lot. But I think once you've made that decision and it's internalized in your mind, you run with it and then you become a completely different person based on that situation. But environment impacts you so much. It, it does. Um, but I think as individuals, we've got to realize that we've got the power to change it, yeah. but only you can do it. Yeah. And and actually, I'll go back and think, do you know what? I attracted I attracted the things that happened to me, ha happened to me, not on purpose, but for whatever, wherever I was at that point, it was, it was impacting on me and I was behaving and, and you know, mm. projecting out in a certain way. And those things happened to me. I take full responsibility for them. Um, but I also take full responsibility now that, that those kind of things don't happen. Yeah. And, it's and funny, so powerful. It's funny you say that because we speak about that a lot, and it's like taking responsibility of where you're at right now. Like I know when I was in that relationship, I attracted. I know I attracted that because of where I was in life, and my self worth was on the floor. My vibration was low. I was on this frequency that attacked attracted something that was so toxic. But I take responsibility that I wasn't the innocent one in all of it. No, and I projected a lot of stuff and I always remember being in this situation where it was we were screaming at each other that is not me nor how I live my life now mm -hmm. at all but I remember that day and I remember sitting down in my bedroom and I was in floods of tears and he left he went out 
And I remember sat there saying, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. And it it was only then when did the, the cog start ticking? And I was like, I'm, I'm creating a life here that I absolutely, I don't even like me. I don't want to be this person, but I do believe by taking the responsibility, like you said, you've got the power to change it. No one can do it for you. You know, nobody. And it's about getting outside of that victim mindset. Cause I could have sat there and said, he's done this to me. He's done that to me. Cause I remember growing up with my stepdad. My stepdad was an alcoholic. I lived with it for 10 years. I won't go into detail here, but it was horrendous. And I lived with a very much a victim mindset for years. And it was, I'm like this because of that happened to me and that happened to me. When really now, obviously doing all the stuff that I've do, I'm doing and the mindset and the coaching and everything, have I come to the realization that I made my reality worse than it could have been because mm-hmm. I told myself that over and over and over again. And little did I know that by being in that victim mindset, I stopped myself from achieving what I wanted to achieve in life. But I didn't know then, I didn't have the resources that I've got today. You know, so sometimes you've got to give yourself a little bit of grace for that and be like, I wasn't where I'm at now, where that that's why the self-development work is so powerful. And like you said, Jane, you don't just wake up one day and be like, right, I'm going to get into self-development. <laughs> I do think that incidents happen, like things happen to you where you might come across a book or somebody might recommend something to you at that point that you need it in your life at that time. And then that's when the journey starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like, you know, you and Lisa doing podcasts like this, maybe if someone stumbles across it or someone listening now recommends this episode to one other person, that might just be the spark that opens up their world to to, to the possibility um, of developing. And 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 development is ongoing. It actually it never ever stops. I don't believe it ever stops. No. Um <laughs> There's times when I need to take a break. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a bit too much to sort of process. But if you trust that what you need at that time will just land with you. um, And then there might be something else in the same book that you revisit five years later or 10 years later, and it resonates in a slightly different way. Um, And that's the same in business. You know, I... We have some absolutely incredible franchising. My whole network is just a powerful franchise family of of women we have had men in the past it's not just that we're female only but at the moment we are all female in terms of the franchise network and I'll sit them sit with them and we'll do development plans and we'll talk about marketing and sales and operations and things and and that's the same when you're marketing you know for the first couple of years it'll be certain channels that are really working for you and you'll try things and oh that didn't work doesn't mean it won't work in the future you just have to keep trying at a different time a different place yeah. And give it, you know, it's where it lands for you. So um this this journey that we're all on, once you it, it's quite addictive, and once you get on it, it's powerful. <laughs> I mean, my uh, well, after my um relationship that wasn't too healthy, I decided to do a little bit of self-care and give up alcohol and went alcohol complete alcohol free. I call it being alcohol free. It's the only thing that when you tell people, they actually turn around and think that you had a problem yeah <laughs> whereas if you gave them no. drugs, they wouldn't think you know it, it's a really strange psychology um do you mind if I have do you mind if I have a drink yeah. and I'm like I just choose to be alcohol free mm-hmm. and I sort of dabbled with it more of a as a challenge could I do it would it be possible you probably gather I love a challenge I love a goal I love smashing <laughs> something but you know could I do 30 days without an alcoholic drink 
And when I did the 30 days, I was like, wow, that's, I quite like this. And I sort of journaled what I felt and what the challenges were. And then we had like a wedding coming up. Could I go to a wedding mm-hmm. and not have a drink? Big challenge. Challenge. <laughs> Could I go to the airport before a holiday and not go to the departure lounge and have a drink? You know, all those little things. Could I lay on a, a lounger and not order an alcoholic cocktail? And all of these things were, became a challenge to me. And why? Because I loved life without it. I loved the quality of the, my sleep. I loved the brightness of the whites of my eyes. I loved... Um, on a, I can't tell you a life of sobriety way outweighs any night out on the booze ever. So this was my attempt at self-care many, many years ago. But what I replaced it with that, you know, the switch off from work on a Friday night and whatever was more work, more drive, more determination. Mm-hmm. So I did this self-care. I've, I've been alcohol free. Not It's not past my lips for over five years now. And I just, just don't want it I don't want my sleep disrupted I just don't want it in my life it's a toxin doesn't serve me but you know Becky I was the first to crack open the cold Sauvignon Blanc in a crystal glass I remember I was cabin crew and I think I'd landed from a flight and I drove up to Manchester and I came to stay with Jane and she was with my dad at the time and I remember walking through and you've had a bottle of Prosecco in the in the fridge. And I'm thinking, goodness, I've I've had no sleep. I've just done a flight. <laughs> <laughs> I was great. I mean, it was great back then, obviously. But yeah, I, I do remember Jane. Yeah. And I, and I just absolutely do it. And I thought that became my kind of switch off from work that, you know, that bit of thing. But this, you know, attempt at self-care, I ditched the alcohol and I've never gone back. But what I realized was going through what I went through in 2020, which is obviously only three years ago. So I was alcohol free at the time then as well was that I replaced the alcohol free and the stress reliever with even more work. Mm-hmm. And that was that was dangerous. Again, not putting me central to all of this. Um, so now I've got the benefits of alcohol free, putting me first, creating balance, walking fresh air, good food, nutrition, sleep, um, caffeine free, you know, all of these things have sort of come from my self-development journey. And it's yeah, it's 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 a far better way to live. It is, and, and, it, yeah. and I know that people will be listening thinking give up alcohol are you joking me because that was my reaction god you must be so boring but yeah. <laughs> I know and it's just you know my, a lot of my friends still go out to this day and they drink or they'll get home from work and it's a glass of wine or and I stopped drinking well when I got into fitness really I have the odd one every now and again I'll still go out and have a couple of gin and tonics but I can't remember I can't honestly remember the last time I actually had a drink because it used to set my anxiety off so people used to call me like boring and, oh, why are you not having a drink? And I was like, because back then, like when it was like, I think it was just before the pandemic, I was going through a real rough patch and it was a lot to do with my past and my childhood. And then it was my, my relationship I just left. And if I was to go out and drink, my anxiety would shoot through the roof and it would make me feel even worse. And it was like, I don't know if I'm going to be okay going through this. I'll be honest. I I was at a point I didn't want to be here anymore. That's how I've never really shared that. Like, and I don't know why I've just said that. It's just clearly just come out. But I was at such a low point in my life that I didn't know if I was going to be okay. And I was like, I need to take some form of responsibility back here because if I continue the way I'm I'm going, I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and it was scary. I didn't like the thoughts I was having, and I knew that wasn't normal. Not that I would have done anything. I'm not saying it for that, but what I was thinking wasn't wasn't right and I was like I I need to stop so that's when I came away fully 
and I threw myself into fitness because I've all I wouldn't say I've got an addictive personality in the slightest but I am very goal driven and I like to get a plan and follow things and see what I can achieve in that aspect of it and so I went with a fitness coach and then that was when I overcome my binge eating and it was only when I started doing that when I started to dig back on the trauma that I'd been through as a child and growing up and all of these other things did I realize that all of that how damaging it can be like how damaging your past can be if you don't address it because I used to suppress a lot of emotion don't talk about it it's done you know and it, it became the norm but little did I know I was carrying all of this with me through life because I didn't address it I didn't put me first like you said Jane like you don't put yourself first in these situations and you just I can't even when I look at where I'm at now to where I was I do not recognize the person I used to be I don't recognize the thought processes I used to have like I mean, people call me delusional now because of the goals that I've got, but I was delusional back then thinking that was my life. Can you relate, Lisa? Have you had like times? Yeah, it's it's difficult for me because I've not had that. Like I've had lows. I've had really big lows, um, really like difficult times that I had to navigate when I was quite young. Um, but yeah, I can definitely relate to that point where you're just like, there's just why why am I doing this day in day out and you kind of just lose hope and it's and in that moment to have one little thing to hold on to to grasp onto and just if this is the only thing that's going to get me through today is because the hope the promise that it does get better if that's all it is just have that have yeah. that one little thing if there's one little thing in your life that is keeping you going whether it's your dog or your podcast <laughs> or whatever it is like just do it because you're not going to be 100% okay every single day and mm. in those days when you're not it's okay but recognize it like you did like recognize I don't like how I feel right now and I'm going to do something about it. But some that's not always a case of finding all these ways to distract myself from what I'm feeling. Sometimes it is the hard route and you've got to, you got to settle in and you've got to deal with the emotions that you've been hiding and suppressing for a really long time, which is the hardest yeah. <laughs> stage of life. It really, really is. And like for me, it was really hard because I had that awareness for a long time. I was just like waiting until it was life was kind of settled before I could unleash those emotions back in my my mind and like it would be the case that my family would be like why are you going to therapy there's nothing wrong with you why are you doing this work there's nothing wrong with you you're a good person I was like I'm not saying I'm not but I'm not there are things inside of me that I don't like that I, there's thoughts that I have that I don't like I don't like this version of myself and I know I can be better and I did the work so that I can but yeah it's hard because in my whole environment we're saying, what are you wasting your time for? What are you wasting your money for? It's like, no, because I want to be better. I want to be yeah. the best I can be. And a very painful <laughs> couple of months, years, really. But, and then, like you say, it comes and it goes. And then it comes yeah. back again three years later. <laughs> yeah, um, but you but it's through it. Yeah, and I think even like doing this work and just, again I think it, it, you just strengthen yourself don't you all of the time you're always learning you're always growing and I think with your story Jane like you have you know how you want to live your life now and like you said that you will never ever ever go back to the way you used to work think run so what do you think was the biggest challenge for you in terms of obviously getting back to things like what what was the biggest challenge for you post the breakdown you mean yeah 
I think the biggest challenge for me is over the last, what, three and a half years, piecing it together. Mm. That's been the hardest bit because my memory came back in different sections, family, friends, mum, my husband, my daughter would, you know, or people that had spoken to me that day that I didn't even remember speaking to was and met like, like piecing it together. Um, and, and I guess, I mean, you say you can't wait for my book to come out. I've written my book. It's all there, like everything from, from day one. Um, now I just have to make it in a format that is actually going to be useful for people because it's not just about splurging my story. It's about how can this be useful? And for me, I find books really useful when there's a, a sort of a, a bit at the end of the chapter that asks questions or you can write and scribble. I like to annotate a book. Um, and oh, we'll get it on the book club, Lisa. We like, <laughs> we like books like that. First purchase, done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, so I want it to be like, so it, yeah, so I think the hardest thing for me, and and facing all of those things, and and for some of that, I needed to recall my hospital notes, and I needed to, you know, do a lot of writing. Like, I can't tell you. So that has definitely been the hardest journey. And you know, at times, maybe not dipping, but thinking, am I ever going to get back to who Jane was? Like a reinvented version of Jane, yeah. but am I going to be? me mm. or is this how life you know when you're going through those trunches and you're sort of going through the dregs of the thick mud mm. it, it, you know am I going to get back there but a, a strong belief that yes I can yes I will and those people around me got me there yeah oh, support oh, network is just so important so important when I look at any traumatizing period in my life it's your family swarm around you and unfortunately it is my family but whether it's your friendship circle it's your partner it's your like I've had amazing work colleagues that have been there for me in difficult times in my life like that support network but I think allowing yourself to be supported by other people it doesn't make you weak to not be able to deal with it on your own and that was a huge turning point for me when I was younger because like being raised it was the case that I would be leaned on quite a lot so my natural thing as I grew up was that I would never lean on anyone but then guess what happened my brain was not it had too much going on because I would never share anything and it's such it was for me a really big turning point to know it's okay mm. and it's so funny the amount of people that used to say it to me but there was just one day and someone said to me it's okay to ask for help and they said at the exact, they said the exact same words that someone said five months before, two years before, but I was in the place that I could hear the words they were saying in that moment. And that's when it was made better. So yeah, if you, someone listening is there, it's okay. Talk. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I honestly, I don't think that if anyone on the run up to that or that week before or month before or whatever, people may have talked to me. They might have tried. There, there was, I... I wasn't on a purposeful self-destruct, but no. there was no stopping me because mm -hmm. my goal was this business has to survive. I have to provide for my daughter and my hard work is not going down the drain because of the coronavirus. And and that literally was the top and bottom of it. Um, so I suppose, yeah, the support network, them knowing you um, really well. And now I suppose my... My support network is my inner circle. My circle of trust is looks very differently to how it used to. 
very differently to how it used to. And it was really strange because a couple of months ago, I literally found, maybe longer than a couple of months, but I found um, a colouring book that I'd used when I'd been recovering. And there was just some sort of leaves of a tree that I'd coloured in. And I remembered colouring each leaf in after I'd felt comfortable talking to that person in my life when I was recovering from my illness. Wow. And so I took a little snapshot of the of the sort of a small part of the of the colouring book, like the top left hand corner of these leaves coloured in. And next to each leaf that I'd coloured in, I'd written the person's name. So they were sort of almost like the stepping stones of me recovering. And obviously it started with my mum and my husband and my daughter. And then gradually one and that circle is small now you know it is small um but all those people in that that had colored in are still the people that I would class Becky included in my inner circle of trust and remembering that is really important because you don't have to share and tell everything to everybody or feel you've got to talk to everyone around you working Mm -hmm. out who that support network is a friendship circle professional circle whatever it be and and keeping it tight we say this all the time don't we like it's okay for people to fall away like you know friends from many many years yeah. ago you know sometimes that friendship does come to an end and you do go down a different path and I mean I use this analogy all the time and people think I'm crazy but it's like with a tree you don't see it holding onto its leaves in the winter do you it lets it it, it falls because it knows knows it's going to come back and it's going to come back in tenfold mm-hmm. so oh Jane I could honestly speak to you all night honestly mm-hmm. I really could <laughs> it's so you, inspiring the definition honestly. of inspiring generally oh, <laughs> absolutely but if you could if you could give like one piece of advice that you that you could share with our listeners or anything that means something to you like a life you know inspiration what would it be okay well I, I did think about this question and I think my best way, because it's threaded through this entire episode anyway, about putting yourself first, but putting yourself at the top of the list, if that's how we see it, feels sometimes for for people who are givers a bit selfish, like we don't put ourselves at the top of the list. So I'd like you to think rather that you put yourself in the middle of a circle. And I would call, I call that my circle, my positive circle, you're in the centre And around my circle are all the things that keep me balanced, healthy and me. So when I do speeches or or different things now and share this story, I talk about this circle. And around that circle are things like my reading, my journaling, my podcast, my wisdom, my exercise, my nutrition, my water, my, you know, swimming, Pilates, all those things that make you you, that keep you balanced So what I would say to people and what my piece of advice would be, put yourself at the centre of your own positive circle because driving forward with relentless positivity was absolutely my downfall Mm -hmm. and it didn't work. Positivity is great, but you have to put yourself at the centre of it. Oh, I love that. That is a great piece of advice. Jake, what is going on in your world? Because I want people to follow you on Instagram, listen to your mm-hmm. podcast because there's so much exciting stuff happening for you. Well, you were one of our first 
guest specs because I was yeah <laughs> so what happened was although we put our time capsule of conversations on the school run podcast Liv and I decided to bring guests along with us on our school run to share their wisdom too as if they were sat in the back seat <laughs> and sharing their their journey as what the journey with us um, and Bex, I think you're on episode three or four, really early on when we started in February. And it was a gorgeous episode because you've got such a beautiful bond with my daughter, like her big sister and, and beacon of light and inspiration <laughs> for her. Um, so the podcast, that's ongoing. We, we release an episode every Monday morning. We absolutely love it. It's either an episode just me and Liv talking this week's is about love languages and how mm. she and I interact. Um, and then we have guests on with us, as I say. So that's just an ongoing journey. And it's just going, it's opened up so many opportunities for us. Met so many beautiful people. Um, and yeah, it's just been amazing. Little Voices continues to grow. We're always on the lookout for teachers who want to exit the classroom and thrive, teach children in performing arts um, and help children to flourish, but not in the tr traditional educational system and build a business that gives them a life to uh, live on their own terms. And um, well, personally, I'm learning to dance. I'm learning to ski. Um, I've written my book and hopefully we'll get that published very soon. So um, yeah, life is good. I love that. That is coming on our book club. We need to definitely. Oh, 100%. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. <laughs> Obviously, I'm on all the social media platforms and I'm very happy for people to reach out if I can be of any help or assistance or guidance at all. So what's your Insta handle, Jane? Um, my personal one is at Mrs. Jane James. It's an open profile, so you can just follow me. And the school run is the school run underscore official. Little Lovely. voices you can find on the website, littlevoices.org.uk. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's an honour. I love you very much. And just thank you for sharing your story with our audience. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in on this week's episode. If you want to find out more, then head to the show notes where you can find all of our socials linked. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing.